come stop and take a trip down on my block Where you see hidden potential, young minds sharper than Ginsu And ain't afraid to speak their mind if they got something against you We standing with you, we tackle issues like civic pride Hate will cease to exist, let's put our differences aside From my side to your side, from Dutchtown to Southside From Penrose to Northside, from Benton Park to Old North to West End to West Side We bless when we step out, we stand down, rise up, stand together, wise up this is Stitchcast Studio, produced by St. Louis Story Stitchers in St. Louis, Missouri. Our Stitchcast sits down with Dr. John A. Wright Sr. to discuss lost and disappearing histories in black culture. In this special, the Why of My City edition of Stitchcast Studio. They say who that, but you already knew that. That beat them story stitches, story stitches, story stitches, story stitches, story stitches. Thank you everybody for tuning in to another episode of Stitch Cast. Today's episode is in the special Why of My City. And we have special guest, Dr. John Wright Sr. with us here today. Once again, thank you so much for coming in. My pleasure. <laughs> and uh, tuning in. So we're going to get into it a little bit, and I'm going to start off asking if you could just do a quick overview, because we've talked in a few podcasts about the bill, you know, and how it was really unique, how there wasn't another place like it in St. Louis, especially at that time. So could you just give like a brief overview of what the bill was? The bill was a self-contained African-American community about a square mile. It was unique in the fact that they had major institutions there. And because of segregation, many people who worked in those institutions lived in the community. So you had a wide range of people who were professionals. For example, the doctor may live next door to the custodian. Mm. You have them going to the same church. You have them having their kids go to the same schools. Segregation brought that on. We had Homer G. Phillips Hospital, which trained almost half the doctors in the country, black doctors. You had Sumner High School, and you had many teachers at Sumner who would today would be college professors, but because they couldn't get jobs, they taught at Sumner. So Sumner had a reputation of an outstanding institution. So many people from out of town sent their kids to Sumner to live with relatives in St. Louis so they could go to Sumner. We had Turner School for Handicapped Youngsters, the first of its kind in the country, that type of facility. So I mean, you had that Tandy uh, baseball field, Mm-hmm. where triple-A ball was played on Sunday. So you had people would go to the baseball game at Tandy Field to watch it on Sunday. Didn't have to pay for it, just sit around and watch with good baseball. So it had a lot of, th- in person it had the Poro College for a while, beauty cultural school, uh, where many kids from Sumner graduated, went to beauty school, and Annie Malone had shops and studios all across the country and even out of the country. So you had that going. Then when Poro closed, you had Lincoln Law School, where you could go get your law degree. 
And we had Stowe Teachers College to train the teachers for black professionals. So we had a lot going at Poro that you didn't have in the other communities because of the size of it and the fact that people lived together and stayed together. And so it's nice. Yeah, I got a question. How did that work? Like, I, I know, were there other communities where colored people lived at that time? Like, there were other, like, small communities of colored people, right? Yeah, but you didn't have those major institutions there. So did they have to travel from where they were to go to Sumner? Were they allowed to travel that far to go to school? Sumner was the high school for those in the in the city. And some school districts in the county paid the city for their kids to go to Sumner. Mm-hmm. Now, they also had a choice of going to Douglas High School in St. Louis County. That was the only high school for blacks in St. Louis County. Okay. Douglas High School in Webster Groves. So they went to Sumner or Douglas. Mm. Okay. Now, yet many kids didn't get an education in high school until integration. Kids at Rockwood School District, they would not pay their tuition. Mm. I mean, their transportation. They'd pay tuition, but they wouldn't pay transportation. Mm. So many of those kids did not get a high school education until after 54. And then, so how did it come, or did teachers, when desegregation happened, did they stay at Sumner? Did they go to other schools around the city? Or did they all just go out straight to the... Well, what you had was uh, those at Sumner stayed at Sumner for the most part. Then new ones reluctantly were placed in white institutions because integration is supposed to do some integrating of staff. And some did. I went to Harris Teachers College. And the reason we had Harris, we had Stowe. Stowe was for black training of teachers. Harris was the white training of teachers. The faculty from both of those institutions came together when they merged. So you had Harris now had white and black teachers. But as we retired, for a long time they weren't replaced. The black staff weren't replaced with white. And that's kind of where we are today. Well, right now, I used to be over at recruitment for African-Americans for the county. We don't have institutions that are training black for going to the teaching profession. Uh, Harris was the major training ground for black teachers. Then Lincoln University also. But Harris stopped training as many because at times, white institutions weren't hiring blacks. So it, it wasn't big a place where you would get training knowing you had a job. And so when we really needed black staff, they weren't there. Right now, you can have a kid go all the way through grade school and never have a black teacher. Well, I went to school in Webster Grove, so. Mm. But <laughs> yeah, all of grade school had white teachers. Now, Webster had Douglas for a long time. Mm-hmm. Probably the time when you went, Douglas wasn't working. No. <laughs> Douglas was closed. Yeah. But uh, white institutions stopped hiring black teachers. And so people found other things to get involved in. Now we need black teachers, and we don't have the training facilities that bring them to us. So I have a question. Well, sure. another question. Desegregation, we know, changed a lot for this city. Can you talk a little bit about 
how it changed other communities that before weren't, you know, I guess you could say minority ran that are now? How did those changes happen? Now you're saying communities that were not black. Yeah. Well, you have to realize now, when it came to the county, it's a hustle. Communities are set up by hustling. What do I mean by hustling? You got two things. You got to keep black folks miserable and white folks scared. Mm. When you understand that, you understand the rules of the game. You keep black folks miserable by having them in poor neighborhoods. So they always want to do better. You will keep white folks scared. So when you put black folks in, it happens when we built North County, that new subdivision. Mm -hmm. Now how are we going to get white folks to move to these new houses? You can start out by blockbusting. And what I mean by blockbusting, you have a black, white neighborhood, so you buy one house, or you rent one house. And you have a four-room house, and you rent it to a family with 12 kids. Then you go up and down the street, hey, you see what's happening down there now? You see what's, I got another place for you out here in the county. We don't have to deal with that. Your house is worth 15,000, but next week it may be worth 10. Hmm. So you better get out of here. Yeah. Hey, what's going on, everybody? You already know what time it is. Time for another Stitchcast Studio Arts Interlude. That's right, we about to pick the city up. Today, we have a Story Stitch's original song entitled, Who's Ready? Yeah. Uh, I've been drowning in sorrow-filled water fountains Not asking for pity parties, no pardon partners around And I've calculated the odds, but what good is no one to count When I count it up, count it down, I've already been counting out It don't matter, show too much of my valor Give up at hard times, I haven't, but from the data I've gathered Rumor has it, the captured act like they captors The captors act like they captured Ain't never been down with movement unless the movement is backwards But I'm ready They out here facing muzzles People dropping left or right I'm seeing families crumble We gotta help each other Cause we're all part of this struggle While we hurting each other I look and I see double There's so much hurt and hopelessness That lies beneath the rubble But if we set aside the differences We can make change We just gotta be humble Make our way through the rain Cause I don't know about you But I'm tired of seeing pain The gang banging the gold Gun violence is beyond lane If we're not trying to save our city Then we're living in vain Cause people out are taking lives Like it's a video game What I'm saying isn't make believe Cause anything is possible And if we work together we can't obliterate these obstacles So put the gun down, get up, and join the movement Cause there's strength in numbers, so let's get to it We ready, we ready, we ready for the violence to stop Get ready, get ready, get ready for change to come Who's ready, we ready, we ready for a revolution
The kiss of the future, the change to come Put the gun down, stop aiming at our heads Don't put us in the dirt, feeling like the target on A story stitch a shirt, but we can talk it out We should talk it out Listen, shh, can't you hear our voices now singing We should overcome any stereotype Not the ones to conform, but to give off light We have the power in our hands, so We the people need to vote The biggest generation has the hardest time Trying to cope with pain Seems like every other day it rains in my hood But somehow we still singing that it's all good It's not black on black crimes Got our city in the prime of its worst time I'm hurt time cause we flirt time with a beast Instead of slang alive they complain about the streets Don't give up on this now This is something so unique violence Put down the gun We will not be silenced It's time for revolution No more violence Put down the gun We will not be silenced It's time for a revolution. We ready, we ready, we ready for violence to stop. Get ready, get ready, get ready for change to come. Who's ready? We ready, we ready for a revolution. Who's ready? We ready, we ready for the violence to stop. Who's ready? Who's ready? Now the black family. Well, you know, it's, you you tired of being in that old place over there. I got a nice neighborhood you can move into now. Grass, green, and nice neighborhood and everything. So we buy over there. And so that keeps the thing going. And you have to work on making white folks fight. If you know the ads in the paper, crime in the paper, you blow it up. So you're always worried about, we have it, I'm gonna have robbery all the time, we're gonna have break-ins. One, you have break-ins in white but just don't put it in the paper. Mm. Um, when things happen, you never seen folks run from a light-complected black person. All the fears of dark-complected black person. Majority. I feel yeah. attacked. <laughs> 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 well, no, no. You know, when OJ got in trouble, I was to sell more papers, it made him darker. That mm -hmm. sells papers. That's true. Lewis Place up here off of uh, Tail Avenue. You know where the arch is? Across mm -hmm. mm -hmm. from Rankin Tech. Yes, sir. Light complected black folks moved in there and they thought they were white. Mm. And after they told me they were black, then they got scared. Like when I grew up, a lot of people were light skinned. They were what they called passing. Mm. Mm, yeah. You know, you go to a movie show, you go every place, and folks just as happy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, I had one of my classmates, Harold, he, he was passing for white. He went down to St. Louis U. His stepmother said he wouldn't even let his father come to graduation because he's passing white. Oh, and everybody wow. was happy with Harold. You know, just happy with it. Oh my God. <laughs> he was, a, oh wow. Huh? So, oh, so what, what would you one. say, what would you say is some, <laughs> some steps that you've taken to, uh, one, educate people on this and to really help people to get back to a place of saying, hey, maybe we can bring DeVille back in another, in another state. We're not gonna get DeVille back. Mm -hmm. We're not gonna. It was self-contained. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, uh, it happened because of segregation. Mm -hmm. And no matter how much money you have, we're in the same boat. Mm. We're not going to be in the same boat like we were in. In the neighborhood I stayed, I stayed on Baffin. Two room cold water apartment, flats. 
took a bath in a tin tub, you know? Oh, and my neighbor said, my nephew said, you ready? I said, man, the roaches even went out for dinner. You know, <laughs> I'm a rich. <laughs> they got carry-outs, man. <laughs> no, you know, so you wouldn't have that kind of neighborhood next to the doctor now. Yeah. Going to church, you know, it's just, we're all in the same boat. We learned to get along together and we got services. We all fought to have a better community. Everyone knew the thieves in the neighborhood. And so it was just a good place to grow up. And question, why you why we can't get something like that in the black communities that we do yeah. have still standing today? Like why is that so far fetched now? Because no one poor or rich wanna be in a two room cold water flat anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know what I mean? Your friend wants to sit in two rooms? Take a bath in the tin tube? Not in the tin tube. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, so it's a mixture that you had there because there were a few options. And now you don't have that. Those that have money want to send their kids to private school. Then you all went to, we all went to summer mm. for high school. We didn't have country day and uh, village shake. All those schools weren't available to us at that time. The mixture was there because of segregation. We can make sure we have neighborhoods that have affordable housing. Right now, we're in the process of building more and more apartments. Yeah. Because you make more money off an apartment than a house. Mm-hmm. You put an apartment building up on the corner, at 25, 30 apartments. That take the place of three houses. You put three houses there, you don't have a tall house with all the grass in the back. Space is gone. You got more people, 25 apartments, 30 apartments. So you're making more money. Charge some neighborhood $1,700 a month for rent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the money, it's a money issue. But we can make sure neighborhoods are safe. We can make sure we step on crime. We make sure we police those. We make sure there's services. If you cross natural, well, cross Martin Luther King, going north, how many major depart, uh, grocery stores do you have? <laughs> like None. maybe one or two? There's some corner stores over there. Yeah, huh? like there's corner stores over there. It's like confectionery, sh- little, little, little small mom yeah. and pop thing. But big stores, you know, like even the Snooks, uh, what's that? The sometimes even the Save a Lot, I feel like has a very slim selection mm-hmm. of fresh. It always produce. seems out of stock. Yeah, you know, you don't have the drug stores. You don't have the cleaners. You don't, all the things that make neighborhoods. Once you leave Martin Luther King or Delmar going north, they're absent. You know, a hospital. Once you go north of Lindell Avenue until you get to North, Christian North East, there's a hospital across Lindell. We got clinics, people's health clinic, uh, mm-hmm. you know, but you don't have a hospital. So people move into places where there's services. If you don't have a service, well, you don't want to drive all, all over to get services. And we have to make sure, I know one store, Peach Market over on Olive. When you walk in there, you get first thing half pint liquor. Mm-hmm. You, you you want a half pint? You go to Peach, you put it in your back pocket. You know, uh, <laughs> most of the other grocery stores don't have liquor. You go and you get your vegetables and all the stuff. So we they call North Street a food desert mm-hmm. because you can't get the fresh food you want. And so we've got to change that to make it so you put 
services and people move in the area where they can get service. Mm -hmm. And that's the, the drive we have to do. Mm. For convenience, people want convenience. What steps would you say is either us as a group or just like black people as individuals can take to like, you know, enhance the community, whether that's making it safer, whether that's investing in um, food, you know, stores, grocery stores where they can get proper produce, uh, clinics or hospitals where they can receive medicine and treatment. But what are things that we can do to We have to help stop ourselves? as a community turn our heads on problems. Okay. You know, most of us know the thieves in the neighborhood. Okay. Did y'all confront them? Uh, <laughs> you know, you point, when I was going, you pointed them out. Everybody knew who they were. Anonymous tip. But now it's a silence, <laughs> huh? Anonymous tip to you know to the right it, people. It's, it's silence now. Uh, people are just frightened to say something. But we have to do that. You know, uh, the Nation of Islam and some places have had neighborhoods that declare safe zones where you don't steal, rob, and break in homes. But we've got to protect our homes and make it uncomfortable for those in the neighborhood. Some neighborhoods have gone out and had marches. They're, I'm trying to think what about called Emerson. They Mars protested drug houses, pointed out, stayed on the streets, stayed on the police. And the blocks are still nice. Yeah. But they got the drug dealers off the homes and everything else. We have to take some responsibility too. Yeah. It used to be, when I was growing up, we could shoot each other up. Nobody, you didn't get arrested. Well, Kill each other. What was that? Why would you not get arrested? Black lives are cheap. Mm -hmm. It's still kind of like that. Yeah, you know, it's thing you get you a good Jewish lawyer and a white lawyer, you'll be out. And I know people have killed people. We got to make sure the court is responsible to us, too. Mm. That's a hard one. But that's a bad cycle where life cannot be cheap. Mm. That's what they say now you should get life insurance. Yes. On your kids. On everybody. Yeah. Everything. Even if you don't got kids? Uh, I don't know how that works. Uh, yeah. I think that you mean when you when you have okay, yeah. gotcha. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah. At that point. Well, funerals are expensive. Yeah. And it's nice to have a life insurance. It'll pay you for the services, but it's better to have safe neighborhoods too. I got a question about Sumner again. Okay. When you were going there, did it feel like it was a historical school? Did it feel like it was? a great school and did you all see famous people like a few famous people went there did it feel like when you were going there every day that this school was producing was going to produce the you know i people? think back on my days at the high school i never felt that i couldn't succeed some places you leave depressed and feel like you'll never make it mm -hmm. but i never got that feeling mm -hmm. about all that you always heard about your alums, people who went off and did great things. But that doesn't necessarily you felt you were going to be one, but you never felt that you could be one. Mm. And many individuals I know went to high school with, left and went right, quite successful because they never were taught they couldn't. Mm. And that's important. If you think you can't ever do anything, then you leave with a defeated attitude. But if you feel there's unlimited possibilities out there, then you go. I like that. But you know, mm -hmm. never, I, th I don't think Dick Gregory, although he was a jokester in high school, <laughs> thought he was going to be a nationally known 
comedian, civil rights. He was active in high school. When the schools were overcrowded, he took the school, marched out of school, went downtown to the Board of Education. So you got to do something about this overcrowded school. <laughs> <laughs> Would you, did you march with him? No, I wasn't in high school yet. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but my wife was there, and uh, he wanted to make change. Do you feel as if it was easier back then to make those types of changes? No. Look at the guy. What is Florida Broke? What's the kid's name? He saw gun violence at the high school student. He decided, we're going to make a change. We're going to make a difference. And it's a matter of deciding you want to make a change and make a commitment. But we have to make a decision. You want to save our neighborhoods? Do we make a difference? We can do it. It's a matter of having a commitment. Would you say you took any, you know, did you do any strategic planning to see changes that you wanted to see growing up? You see, um, not really. Did you think? Uh, you becoming like superintendent and stuff would have a big impact? No. <laughs> did it? Do you think it did? Do you think it did though? For the most part? You being a superintendent or well, one of the first? We had a number of kids. You could make changes in their lives. Mm -hmm. And the thing you set the stage, you have people who can help them. We made an album. Uh, I've got it at home. The choir said, oh man, I mean, made an album. I mean, kids made an album. I had a young man, Mr. Wright, we want to track the team. We want to track. We got to run. He was from the South. We had the field. He and the kids made a track and they began one for any races behind the school. He, they mapped out the, the track laid it down, put all the chat down, and they had a, they did that that summer and fall, they were running track. But they wanted track. Had another teacher, they got a grant, they built a house. If you look at the book I did on Kenlock, you see the house. When the high school needed painting, we don't have the money. I asked the shop teacher, I said, look, we're gonna paint the school. I got the shop teacher, they built that house. We're gonna paint the school. They put mask and tape up and all the tape up, and they paid the whole high school. The kids? The kids! I had a cook who, a guy over the kitchen didn't know how to manage the kitchen. I got rid of him and I took the ladies who were the cooks. Cause at first, the food was so bad, the guy owned the hog farm. and used to come every day to get slopped for his hogs. What? I'm dead. He said, ain't nobody else gonna use it. At the school cafeteria. Dang. They don't need it. So, <laughs> so uh, the food was going to waste. I got with the cook. I said, I need 10 recipes that the kids eat. <laughs> Although most of them on free lunches, all of them had enough money to buy two extra hamburgers. We ended up buying new cafeteria furniture because we made enough money off the cat and we paid the cafeteria worker more than any other district. Wow. That hit different. What a time to probably be motivate you to cook better. No, they, they can cook. No, no, I'm just saying, yeah, you know, probably extra love in it. You get folks who cook <laughs> at the church. 
Mm. You, you get folks who did these dinners at the churches. Mm-hmm. Elbows. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know right what I'm now, about. most of the folks have can open cooks. Mm. Oh, no. Can open. And uh, <laughs> when I was over the cafeteria at the Ferguson Forest, when I got, they put, they put me over to the cafeteria. They made money for the first time. We had cooks who put spinach on at 7 in the morning. So you know what it's like at lunchtime. Mm-hmm. If you want to know the best cafeterias, on Thanksgiving and Christmas, mm. when they have the special meals, you find out where the workers go to eat lunch. Mm. Mm. Yeah, because they'll know. <laughs> That's where they get the good pies, dressing, and all this mm. stuff. That's where you find the who cook. You got a cafeteria where no one who works, who manages the cafeteria, will eat in the cafeteria. Mm. That's a sign. Yeah. You need to do something with the food. So, question. Yes, ma'am. The Ville. Yes, ma'am. We know there wasn't another neighborhood like it in St. Louis, but what about throughout the country? Were there other thriving neighborhoods at that time? Well, you had certain communities that had all black neighborhoods, mm. old black school districts. So you have, it varies. Some towns like South have all black towns. So you're going to have so many of them just don't have a university there. Mm. A major business there, but you have enough where you have doctors and lawyers and all of them stay in the same town. Take Kenlock, for example. It was all black town. It's about a square mile, surrounded by segregation. Had its own police department, had its own fire department, had its own library, churches, but no major industry. Had a movie theater one time. Had a nightclub where folks would come. Had, uh, all depends on who you talk to. You had slums, you had, they called the foot, stay at the bottom, run down houses. You had nice homes. So you had the well off, the better off, and the poor all living together. But the majors, like a hospital, they didn't have that. So, uh, because of segregation, you had a forced community where you had some who were better off and some who were poor, and no tax base. Mm. Mm. And so they all lived together and managed. What uh-huh. about, uh, did you have something? I'm good. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, yeah. Uh, I do apologize if it sounds like I've already asked this question. Um, I know earlier you said that we need to stop turning a blind eye to our problems. And I think a lot of people agree with you and want to do something but don't know what specific steps that they can take in order to start like changing their own lifestyle to be more pro-community or just being more investing in their community as a whole. So I was going to say, what are some steps that we can take at Story Stitchers or just neighborhood uh, neighbors in the community to like actually invest in making it better? Like, like what's something I could do? Well, you decide you want to do it. Mm. Mm-hmm. I do want to do it. Everybody, <laughs> everybody's waiting for a leader. Mm. Oh, you mean like that? Yeah. yeah. Everybody, everybody's waiting. Who's going to help? Everybody's waiting for a leader. Uh, you may be the leader. He's speaking. Uh, okay. It was so, it was so, it was so <laughs> simple. Everybody's waiting <laughs> for somebody. Yeah. Everybody's waiting for somebody. There. But you have. <laughs> you may be the somebody. I hear you. Yes, sir. Huh? Yes, sir. I hear you. You know, yeah. look at this guy who's 
did the thing down in Florida, the gun thing. What did he do? I have no idea. You know, just think about it. There are other kids yeah. who are proactive in other communities starting movements. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's a matter of deciding enough's enough and maybe marching on the school board. There are certain things. What's going on? Let's get a group together. We're going to take this thing. You got to put a spotlight on the problem. Mm -hmm. Put a spotlight on it. Parents, some parents will do it too. Some fathers, like over on Emerson, someone put the spotlight on the drug house, they marched on those houses. Mm -hmm. and put a spotlight on the druggies and forced them to close the drug houses down. But it was a matter, someone took the initiative to say we aren't going to do it anymore. And sometimes it may be a group of people meeting together and look, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We're gonna... What are we going to do, story stitches? If it's not, <laughs> if it's not us, who? The question is, is who's ready? <laughs> oh, well, oh, you know, so we ready, yes. you know. I think that was uh, If uh, not who? <laughs> if it's not me, who? What's our first problem? What's our first problem? So what qualities would you say it takes to be a great, to be a great leader to really move things forward? A desire. Desire for change. Yeah. It, that, it, being a great leader doesn't mean you're waiting for some leader. You know, Rosa Parks, what made her, she, they worked her with her, but I'm tired, tired of doing this stuff. Mm -hmm. it, and you have to have a personality too, that you know how to hold up and when to fold up, mm -hmm. and so you don't get knocked off in the process. Mm -hmm. You gotta know what threats you, what, what uh, threats are out there for your own security, mm -hmm. and how do you prevent that and what you're doing. But you got to think, think it through, then you do your plan. But it's a matter of not waiting for the savior. You may be the savior. Mm. It's got a little quiet. Everybody over here thinking, I'm over here like. Very you deep thought, yeah. Well, Dang. It's definitely, that's, that's, definitely, that's definitely true if you, if you look back at it, it's really just uh, the desire to do something, taking action, and maybe you'd be the only one the first time you do it. Then three others join you. Then those three others bring three others. And those three others bring three others. And then now you have the movement you created. There are a lot of people waiting on leadership. They're waiting on somebody. Waiting on somebody to call a meeting. Waiting on somebody to say, we need to do something. Somebody said, what are we going to do? There's always somebody out there. That's, that's interesting because that goes into something I had read in the book about, say, if there was a... Uh, there was a car crash that happened. Everybody would drive past it because they think somebody else is going to take action on it. And because of that, it, it just keeps happening. Or something happens to somebody and there's like a million bystanders because no one took initiative to actually take action on it. So everybody looking at everybody else like, oh, they're going to take care of it. Until somebody steps up and say, here, you call the cops. Here, you do this. Here, you go get the ambulance. And then everyone starts to move. So that's definitely something I see that's true. It, it, it's important to precaution. Like, I was drove by Forest Park, Skinker and Forty. Two women trying to flag cars down. And so do you stop or do you call the police and let them do it? Because sometimes the guy's waiting in the, the bushes to knock you in the head. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. but you have to take some steps it may be calling someone to the rescue, mm. but you just don't ignore it altogether. Mm. There's a story that yesterday, 
this black man used to get a ride all the time. A white thought he was trying to hold up somebody, so they lynched him one night because they thought he was going to do something. But they said he'd always get a ride. He'd thumb a ride, and someone would give a ride. But somehow they thought he was trying to do something with this white girl, so they, they lynched him. So it's know the climate and know what you're doing and have to talk with him. He stopped the police one day. They followed him home, stopped him. What, what are y'all following me for? Oh, boy, you know, you get, get shot. John, hear me talking about you, don't you? <laughs> when they followed you to the service, you got out of the car and walked back. Where you following me for? When I was with my class, going to class, and stopped in Overland, we got there early for class. We had a place for a meeting. And the police, I said, me and the black guy were in the car together. He said, they pulled up and I said, they want to know where we're going, what we're doing here. Let's keep our hands up so they can see it. What are you doing, sir? We got class here, man. Officer, can we help you? We're waiting on the rest of the class to get here. Mm. Well, what, what kind of class that is, boy? Uh, uh. Well, university class. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. It's easy to roll But you just know what it is, what's going to happen, mm -hmm. and just prepare for it. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. And I know in certain neighborhoods, you pull you over. Like, I used to do recreation work, and I had mainly white kids in the car. And so you pass the stoplight. That's five blocks back. Was I speeding? No. Where are you going? Yeah, just well, we're going to the theater. Mm -hmm. We're going down to the Fox Theater. We got tickets to go. Well, you be careful now, you hear? First, where are you going? What are you doing? Mm -hmm. You got a white girl, black guy, you know. So you, you just know what the game is. It wasn't a stop sign because you, you did you were I wasn't speeding because mm -hmm. he said it's, it's way back there five blocks back. Mm -hmm. Right. So you know you want to know where I'm going and what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And so being nosy, you know what the game is. Mm -hmm. So, but you have to be prepared to know what the rules are where you are and what do you do to change them. Mm -hmm. It may be recording. Mm -hmm. How many people in the neighborhood get stopped? A lot. Well, for what reason? They report it, you record all that. Then you go to make the change. Mm -hmm. Out of that, then you and you may watch whites doing the same thing. They don't get stopped. But you record all that. Mm -hmm. And you report it. It takes time and yeah. patience, but... It's it takes patience, yeah. It's uh, but you, you make change by taking initiatives. It's a matter of find something that's easy to do first. Mm. Then you build a reputation, and everything may not be easy. But find some things you you can do that a lot of people agree with. Well, thank you everybody for tuning in to another episode of Stitchcast. We had the pleasure of having Mr. John Wright again and we hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Okay, well, thank you. Bye -bye. Bye -bye. 
why have my CD captures and documents pieces of black history through written word and art while training the next generation to become active, engaged citizens. Our goal is that programs become a force multiplier, rippling into families, schools, and neighborhoods, offering solutions to common urban problems. The Why of My City, a play written by Mario Farwell with St. Louis Story Stitchers and directed by Gregory Carr, will be staged for the public June 15th and 16th, 2023 at the Dotzak Theater at Kranzberg Arts Foundation in the Grand Center Arts District. Tickets are on sale at Metro Ticks. St. Louis Story Stitchers, The Why of My City is supported in part by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts. Visit on the web at arts.gov and by the Missouri Arts Council, a state agency which receives support from the state of Missouri. The Why of My City is supported in part by Missouri Humanities Council, a state agency which receives support from the state of Missouri. Story Stitchers is supported in part by the Lewis Prize for Music's 2021 Accelerator Award. The mission of the Lewis Prize is to partner with leaders who create positive change by investing in young people through music. Additional support for Stitchcast Studio and Story Stitchers programs is provided by the Spirit of St. Louis Women's Fund, City of St. Louis Youth at Risk Crime Prevention Grant of 2023, Trio Foundation, Deaconess Foundation, and the Arts and Education Council. St. Louis Story Stitchers and the Center is supported in part by Kranzberg Arts Foundation as a resident organization. Thank you for listening. They say who that, but you already knew that. That beat them Story Stitchers. Story Stitchers. Story Stitchers. Story Stitchers. Story Stitchers.